When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you were an anime fan back in 2006, then it's safe to say that you were probably in heaven. The niche industry was slowly but surely becoming more popular in the United States, and one company in particular, Crunchyroll, was making the genre more accessible than ever before. For decades, anime was an obscure and difficult to find form of art, but now it was being brought into the light. Everyone rejoice. With the simple click of a few buttons on their keyboard, users were allowed to upload their own videos and access shows they had never dreamed of getting the chance to see before. Then, when the streaming service began to introduce its own shows, life just seemed to get even better. Like the massive streaming services that had garnered incredible success, Crunchyroll soon started to develop their own original content, hiring their own writers, voice actors, and animators to bring new and exciting content to the world. But there was a problem. Everything wasn't quite as wonderful as it seemed. Sure, the platform brought anime into the limelight in a big way, and it seemed to be a dream company, but the people who worked for them clearly had a different story to tell. While they were promising their fans the world, they were promising their voice actors next to nothing. People would sign up to work for the next big thing only to be met with a job that paid them way under market value and seemingly refused to give them any type of benefits, including healthcare. Sure, this seemed normal when anime was first introduced, but it has become a $25 billion a year industry that seems to be growing by the second. There was no reason that the artists participating shouldn't be paid for their work. However, this just seemed like the way of the world people were walking in. After all, Crunchyroll had virtually cornered the market in the genre, and if someone wanted to become involved in anime, they were basically their only shot. They could try something else, but it probably wouldn't lead to much. So what were they to do? Even when fans, artists, and the federal government tried to confront the company for their outlandish working practices, they seemingly refused to change. Crunchyroll seemed like a dream in the beginning, but now it appears to be turning into a downright nightmare. How did something with so much promise go so wrong in such a short amount of time? Why the hell won't they pay their actors? And what's the true story behind the now infamous Crunchyroll and the anime industry as a whole? How does it work? It's simple. Just log on to crunchyroll.com slash and sign up for the free Crunchyroll never really made an official announcement that I'm seeing. <laughs> and it could have all just been a big ruse, a big troll. I leave for a day. The Catholics are crusading while the Nazis are invading. Hello and welcome to the Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati and today we're gonna be discussing the anime sensation Crunchyroll. Founded by a group of college friends, Crunchyroll was set up to give access to every anime fan across the globe to the most East Asian video content possible. At first, users had an abundance of control. Think Reddit, but with an anime twist, kind of. 
people were permitted to upload their own animes and translate and subtitle content for themselves and fellow fans to enjoy in a completely new way. But as with any platform that gives its users free range to create their own content, there were certainly some bumps in the road from the beginning. The video quality certainly left something to be desired and the fan subs, as they were called, were wildly inconsistent. People living outside of Japan really only had access to a few of the official shows, and even those were either heavily censored or horribly translated. So it wasn't exactly heaven on earth in the beginning, but it was better than what we used to have. Then there was the issue of licensing. Unfortunately, when you give your fans full access to upload whatever the hell you want, they run the risk that they will upload content that isn't necessarily licensed and therefore isn't technically legal. Yes, this can absolutely throw a wrench in some of your plans. And as a business, there are some serious concerns that come with this type of website. First off, was it ethical? They were the ones responsible for what was on their site and for its legalness. And in the long run, they were aiding the piracy of work from other artists. Some people found this to be particularly troublesome, especially Anime News Network, who interviewed some of the founders. In the interview, A.N. asked if it ever bothered the creators to be benefiting off of essentially stolen work from other artists who were not making anything in return. The founder answered saying that he quote, wouldn't say that. A lot of the money went into keeping the website running, not making a profit. The founder believed that their website was vital in growing the industry itself and growing the fan base. But obviously this wasn't a very sustainable business model. So they decided to go in a different direction. And this is when everything started to go wrong they went along their way to develop their own shows with their own voice actors and suddenly everything changed. In a blink of an eye, they were a completely different company. Thanks to their merger with Funimation and Sony, they were able to start producing their own content and hired their very own employees for the job. At first you may be thinking, hey, this sounds wonderful. There are more jobs for people who want to work in anime with a huge company that really didn't exist before. What could possibly go wrong? Well, unfortunately, things didn't seem to go as well as I'm sure we were all hoping they would. All of that new opportunity just seemed to be the same old shit, but this time with a pretty bow on top. In early 2022, as Sony's purchase of Crunchyroll and the merger between Crunchyroll and Funimation were first announced, several voice actors known for their work on major anime dubs began to claim that Crunchyroll was exploiting its voice talent, underpaying them and not providing additional benefits. Almost immediately after the $1.2 billion deal came to fruition, several voice actors began to come forward on Twitter to discuss their seemingly horrific pay rate and unfair treatment under the company. Some voice actors claimed that they were paid as little as $150 before taxes to dub the hit movie Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Hopefully I said that right. In case you're wondering, that very same movie amassed about $196 million in the United States. So it's probably safe to say that the voice actors were severely fucking underpaid. Marin M. Miller, who voiced background roles for the Full Metal Alchemist franchise, stated that they were paid only $35 on their first project and that translators made a measly $90 per episode. That's about 450 lines of translation for less than $100. I mean, I'm not incredibly versed in matters of translation, but I'm assuming that 450 lines takes hours of work. And for $90, hell no. An extra hell no to that pay when the show they are working on was also one of the highest rated shows in the genre, at least according to anime fans. As the discussions about pay were beginning to heat up, another famous voice actor, Helena Taylor, the original voice of Bayonetta, came out to discuss the inadequate pay in the anime and gaming industry. 
One day, Taylor took to Twitter to announce that she would not be reprising her role in the popular series after being offered an insulting $4,000 for the whole project. Not surprisingly, when fans first heard this news, they freaked out and came to her aid. But the story would soon get deeper too. What are you doing running around Vigrid? You're putting on quite a show, little magician. Later, a Bloomberg article emerged that claimed the actress had been lying, or at least severely embellishing the truth. Eventually, she did admit that she had been offered at least $10,000 to voice the role, then $15,000 after she turned that down. As time continued and negotiations were found to be fruitless, she wound up not signing the contract. This is when she was offered the $4,000 to voice a smaller role. Maybe she embellished on purpose, or maybe she just misspoke. Either way, she brought attention to the issue. Sure, the original offer of $15,000 may sound like a lot, but according to her, this was a $450 million franchise and that didn't even include the merchandise, though there is definitely some disagreement on that number. Some say the franchise is probably worth a lot less, but even if she's right, the amount of money for a major role, I can see why someone would say no. Regardless of what you might think about her, she certainly brought a new fire to the conversation. The industry and Crunchyroll in particular have lacked transparency about how they pay their actors. It was time for them to be held accountable. Especially if you consider the health risks associated with the genre. If you like anime or you know it at all, then you know that some scenes can get pretty intense. People will be screaming, grunting, or more, and that puts a huge strain on a voice actor's health. Have you ever screamed all day at a concert? Remember how wonderful your voice felt afterwards? Well, imagine doing that every day. Despite this, many actors aren't even provided healthcare. They put their health at risk for minimal pay and can't even be assured that they have something to fall back on if they get seriously hurt. It's no wonder that after some time, the artists and actors decided to come together to call for unionization. Because of all this exploitation, voice actors bonded together on Twitter to call for better treatment and pay and to urge Crunchyroll to hold contract talks with SAG-AFTRA, which is the labor union formed by the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists combined to fight for the rights of those working in American entertainment. They also pleaded with fans and Crunchyroll subscribers to write to anime production companies, asking them to fairly compensate their talent. For the better part of 2022, this effort was gaining steam and publicity. The movement only grew as Crunchyroll decided to alter their recording mandates away from remote to in-person at their studios in Texas. Suddenly, alarm bells were going off in artists' heads. Many of them were immune compromised and unable to return to work in the office. And according to many, they were never officially made aware of the new change in policy. Suddenly, their ability to work was in serious jeopardy and some called the abrupt return to in-person recording inhumane. If the actors were allowed to join SAG, they could have more protections. Sure, the union couldn't mandate that Crunchyroll continue remote recording, but they could mandate minimum healthcare, pay, and COVID-19 safety protocols. Without the union, Crunchyroll didn't have to adhere to any of this. So you could see why people would be leaning in the union's direction. It's no wonder why the movement was picking up steam. But by September, Crunchyroll had squashed all hopes of progress. The company refused to engage in contract talks, and this refusal prompted some voice actors to speak out. Kyle McCarley, who voiced the English dub version of the title character from the popular Mob Psycho 100 series, even put out a YouTube video stating his grievances. McCarley, already a SAG-AFTRA member, saw the growing protests about Crunchyroll's low compensation and decided to give them an ultimatum of sorts. Keep in mind that in McCarley's case, the ultimatum wasn't about his own wage structure due to his notoriety and importance as a lead character of a popular series. 
Crunchyroll was willing to pay him well to reprise his role for future seasons. McCarley's ultimatum was that he would reprise his role for the third season without a union contract if Crunchyroll would simply agree to meet a union representative. That's it, just meet with no obligations to sign a union contract. Crunchyroll refused to meet the union and as such, McCarley and a few other cast members walked away from the job. This all happened despite McCarley saying he loved playing the character and that it wasn't about the money. These actors stood tall and offered Crunchyroll a chance to make a good faith effort towards showing that they have a sense of good business ethics. And still, Crunchyroll walked away from that chance and moved forward with recasting the series. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty fucking ruthless. The company is clearly unabashedly crossing that fine line between what's legal and what's moral. According to McCarley, the whole situation gave him a weary sense of the company and he got the feeling that they were simply planning to weather the storm and wait until people got tired about talking about it. Well, here I am still talking about it because underpaying your employees is bullshit and working adamantly to avoid allowing your employees to work in a union is also horrific. But how are they able to get away with this? Most other creative industries, as McCarley and multiple other people pointed out, are required to work with the union. If they don't, people can just jump ship over to something else that will respect their rights as artists and as workers. But why does Crunchyroll feel so confident that they can continue underpaying and underappreciating their workers? Well, because they have basically monopolized the industry. If people have nowhere else to go, they have no leverage. Back in the heyday of Crunchyroll, they mostly relied on their fans to create, upload, and dub content. But as they grew, they decided to change their role in the industry and become the Netflix of anime. Through a series of mergers and reorganizations, they became bigger than anyone could have ever imagined, and soon, people were taking notice. In April 2022, just as news of Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll and subsequent acquisition of Right Stuff hit the press, the United States Department of Justice became concerned about the possibility of an anime monopoly and initiated an antitrust probe of Sony's purchases. The probe focused on the question of whether or not the acquisition severely limited Japanese studios' options to license shows in the United States. Sony's response to the Justice Department, according to sources from the information, was that, quote, Crunchyroll and Sony's budding anime empire are just two of many options anime creators have to distribute their shows outside of Japan. And from a video streaming perspective, Sony does have a point. Still, according to Variety, the Department of Justice was seemingly overreacting to the potential for an anime monopoly, because while Crunchyroll is a major player in the anime streaming department, several other popular streaming services with much larger market share and reach, such as Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, are also rapidly growing their anime offerings. Ultimately, this train of thought seems to have won out, as the antitrust probe was dropped and the acquisition was finalized. But of course, the real concern over an anime monopoly isn't just about anime streaming services. As a Verge article covering this controversy points out, quote, controlling both Funimation and Crunchyroll means one thing in the context of anime streaming services in the US, but taken with all the other things Crunchyroll does like manga publishing and anime conventions and the international company Sony already purchased in Australia and France, the company could have a huge amount of control over the entire industry. If Crunchyroll or Sony were to control the entire industry, the lack of competition would not only allow them to raise prices without concern for the quality of their products, but it would also allow them to exploit workers by paying them low wages. 
This is kind of sort of what has actually happened, even though the Department of Justice ultimately concluded that Crunchyroll and Funimation were not a monopoly. But are any of us really shocked by this information? I think not. Is it still annoying as hell that the United States government continually goes back on its word that it would protect the general public from single companies operating by themselves in certain industries? Yes, but like I said, surprising, not so much. Sure, it is convenient to have a unified service for the viewer. You don't have to pay for two subscriptions or search multiple places for your favorite content. But that unified anime subscription experience feels inherently less wonderful when you know that your comfort is coming at the expense of the workers. However, as Travis Page, CFO says, there isn't a stronger, more passionate community than anime fans. He's right. And as for Crunchyroll, this undying love and overwhelming passion from the fans can theoretically go one of two ways. The fans will either continue watching despite all of the controversies, prompting the company to feel safe and do nothing to fix the issues, or the fans will demand change for their beloved voice actors in their beloved genre, and the company will have no choice but to actually do something about it. Obviously, I'm hoping for option two, but with the history of the genre, I'm not exactly holding my breath either. It turns out that anime as a genre relies on a historical precedent of low wages and no benefits. Wherever there's a loophole, you can rest assured that capitalism will find a way. And before we continue to talk about how exploitation has always been a standard in the anime industry, I'm going to take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Now, how do you feel when you find a great deal online? Maybe feel smart, lucky, or probably excited? I know I do. And thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. And it's super simple. All you do is do your shopping online like normal, and when you go to checkout, the Honey button drops down, searches for an active coupon, and if it finds one, you'll watch prices drop. You already know that Honey has been my go-to tool to help me save some money when buying rounds of pizza for the D&D parties on the weekends. But you can use it for, you know, more than just pizza. You can use it for clothing, tech gadgets, practically anything. And Honey doesn't just work on your computer, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash casket. That's joinhoney.com slash casket. Welcome to the 2023 Crunchyroll Anime Awards, the best celebration. Of it turns out that it's not just Crunchyroll or the general anime dubbing business that's exploitative. The entire anime industry is and has long been structured in such a way that it incentivizes this type of exploitation. As a 2021 New York Times article explains, for nearly half a century, the anime industry has been operating on a quote, outdated production system that directs nearly all of the industry's profits to its so-called production committees. These committees are ad hoc coalitions of toy manufacturers, comic book publishers, and other companies that are created to finance each project. They typically pay animation studios a set fee and reserve royalties for themselves. The idea here is that the system mostly guarantees that production committees make a profit regardless of the success of any particular project and that studios are protected from the risks of making a flop. But conversely, the system also cuts studios out of windfall profits created by hits. You see, the whole model takes advantage of the assumption that studios are run by creative and ambitious people who sacrifice way too much to try and realize their artistic vision. 
As such, this has created a working tradition where studios do everything they can to keep production costs low, including hiring freelance illustrators and voice actors. In Japan, where anime is a multi-billion dollar industry, it has become almost synonymous with exploitation. The freelancers hired for animation can be paid as little as $2 per drawing. Even with huge titles like Attack on Titan, animators are often left penniless as they spend hours incorporating painstaking detail into all of their work for nothing in return. People have been hospitalized for exhaustion and many fall asleep at their desks. The studio Madhouse even got in massive trouble for violating labor rights after employees complained that they had been working about 400 hours a month while the Japanese governmental limit for overtime is about 100 hours. People were sleeping at the studio for days and one assistant reportedly had to be rushed to the hospital after returning to his apartment and collapsing on the floor. Keep in mind that this is the same studio that had produced massively successful titles like Death Note and Black Lagoon. With all of this mistreatment, the reports of exhaustion and hospitalization, why the hell do people still work in this genre? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First, the intense working conditions and abysmal pay have become glorified to the point where many artists and creative types may see working under those conditions as a desired lifestyle. It may sound crazy, but if you think about it, the idea of the tortured artist is so prevalent throughout the world that it's become a social signifier for an artist. It's a societal affection that signals devotion to your art. It's validation that you are a bona fide artist. So many who work in anime simply take the working conditions for granted as just a part of working in the industry. Second, as the New York Times article points out, quote, studios can get away with the meager pay in part because there is a nearly limitless pool of young people passionate about anime and dreaming of making a name in the industry. So truthfully, they have no reason to raise the wages when they can simply replace people as they burn out. And while this article is talking about people who want to work in the anime industry specifically, it's not hard to see how this can also apply to voice talent that's looking to break into acting by taking whatever job they can. The anime industry is huge and growing, so there's lots of work for anyone looking for acting gigs. There's just so much competition for work that anime studios and producers apparently don't see the need to pay much for it. Plus, as Crunchyroll has proved, they can pretty much just crush any talk about unionizing because there's such a vast next person up mentality. Oh, you don't wanna work under horrible conditions with no pay, no protections for your health? That's fine, the industry will just find someone younger, hungrier, less experienced, and more willing to do art for just the passion to take your spot, no worries. And ah, the good old taking advantage of desperate artist bit. This is similar to how some music venues will refuse to pay well for gigs because the musician is getting great exposure by playing there. The fundamental problem with this way of thinking is that it doesn't value talent, it only values the bottom line. It's a case in point for capitalistic greed, it's basically supply and demand. And in the case of the anime industry, it creates working conditions and environments that are borderline sweatshops. Anime is meant to be a fantastical escape from reality but unfortunately it currently thrives off of the painstaking and backbreaking work put in by artists who get almost nothing in return just so massive companies can make a pretty penny. It has to hurt like hell to learn that the voice talent and animators who bring the fans most beloved stories and characters to life are being taken advantage of. I can't really tell you what the solution to all of this is, except that Crunchyroll should probably take a step back and reassess what their low wage tier structure and lack of benefits say about their ethics. Or maybe just talk to unions and figure out how to not be shitty to the employees making you bank. Just an idea though. Even if this type of treatment seems to run deep in the entire industry, Crunchyroll in particular needs to be held to a higher standard. Why? 
Well, because they're basically controlling the industry at this point. They are quite literally the company that has the opportunity to make changes for the better, and they don't seem to give not one single fuck. I really feel like it's not too much to ask that your voice actors get paid, get benefits, and get respect for helping to grow a once niche genre into an international phenomenon. As anime grows, the artists need to be given the respect they have always deserved and yet have never had. It's time for Crunchyroll to set an example and be the change. But with all of that being said, that is where we're ending today's episode of The Corporate Casket. Hope you learned something new here today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. As always, I really appreciate your time tuning into today's episode, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Bye for now.